They say, why would a loving God judge people? And the reason is, is because God is God. That is why. And God cannot be a loving God and withhold rightful judgment. Just the same way. You can never say that a judge who lets Charles Manson walk free is a loving judge. Is he loving humanity? No way. When you have a destination, there are only two paths to get there, the wrong one and the right one. Spiritually, the same is true. One path leads to life, the other to destruction. It feels like a heavy choice because it is. God beckons you to take the path towards him, but he doesn't force you onto it. As Pastor Daniel speaks about this serious matter, you'll be faced with a choice. Even as a believer, you have to continue to keep your eyes on that path. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message entitled, Walk This Way. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, what I love about this is he's talking about the law of Moses. When the psalm was written, they didn't have the gospels, the epistles of Paul and Peter, the book of Acts. But the person of God delights in God's word. It makes them happy. It's the new year. I hope you started a new Bible reading plan for the year. Unless you started your last one in the middle of the year and you're still working it over. It was so cool. We were sitting at our pastors. We get together every two weeks. We have a lunch and we were talking about things we're reading. And, and I love it. Judith, who's our pastor of women here at Crossroads. She's so cool. She's like, yeah, I read through the Bible three times last year. And a bunch of us guy pastors were just like, all right. And she's been doing this for years. She's going to kill me for stealing her reward. She wasn't, we asked her, she was telling. But see, that's what a person of God does. They delight in God's word. They're like, Lord, I, I want to I wanna suck the marrow out of this book. I want to understand what's in there. That's why we teach the Bible on Sundays, on Wednesdays. Any one of our ministries, the Bible gets cracked. Why? Because we know that blessedness, happiness, joy comes from us delighting in the things of God. And listen, there is no excuse. There used to be an excuse, well, I don't really read. I don't do reading comprehension very well. And then the iPod was invented. And you're like, well, it used to be, oh, I just don't understand the King James Bible. Listen, there's like 95,000 other translations now. They're like, oh, I really don't like James Earl Jones's voice. It's too deep. Well, catch Max McLean. Beautiful, that silver tongue. He reads God's word. I feel the glory of the Lord descending. You're like, well, I can't understand it. Well, there's like 9,000 people explaining the Bible. You're like, I can't afford it. We'll buy you one. Seriously. There's no excuse. We have access to more of the Bible, more information of the Bible. And it breaks my heart that God's people know stock quotes and sports stats more than they know the addresses of God's holy word. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. 
When you delight in something, you partake in it. You enjoy it. You keep going back for more. Why? Because it makes you happy. And my pastor, he got a Bible from his father before he was saved. And the inside it said, this book will keep you from sin and sin will keep you from this book. That's powerful. I wrote, when, I got, when my son was born, I got him a Bible. I wrote that in the inside cover. Because it's true. It's true. Listen, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm judging. I'm, I'm walking this walk with you guys. But, but I don't need to watch four hours of, of CSI reruns. I can watch two and spend two in God's word. And I still got my CSI and I got God's word in me. You know, do you really want to watch the commercials in the football playoff games? You can just mute those babies and read the Bible out loud. It's way more fun. I mean, it's not hard. It's really not. The person who's happy delights in God's law. Not only that, he meditates upon it. This word meditate, it comes from the Hebrew, which means to mutter or to read in an undertone. Now, you have to remember, back in the day, they didn't have little handy-dandy um, Gideon's pocket New Testaments that you just stick in your back pocket. I've sat on a lot of those for a long time. You know what I mean? They're just literally pulling out Psalms or, or the New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. You ever see those little babies? Oh, they're good, man. The Gideons, they rock. They're giving out Bibles. You know, those things are cool. You stick it in your pocket. Back in the day, it was all these big scrolls. And they weren't letting you walk around Jerusalem with those babies. Because people were handwriting them. They were handwriting them. So people, in order to learn God's word, had to memorize it. And you would see people walking around muttering to themselves, murmuring the scriptures. This speaks of scripture memorization. Something happens when you memorize it, you internalize it, then you can start walking around and you can, you can start saying, oh, you know, and how often do we need to do that? Internalize scripture, memorize scripture that when something comes up, instead of acting the way you want to act, you start preaching to yourself with the Bible. One pastor called the Bible fighter verses because it fights against all my garbage. How many times, like the psalmist, you need to say, you're, you're kind of upset. You're, Lord, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God and the beauty of his countenance. How often do we need to say that to ourselves when we're at our job and something goes wrong? Why are you downcast, oh, my soul? Hope in the Lord. When something bad happens, we're like, oh, no. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. See, that's what happens when you memorize scripture. You start walking around and you start muttering it to yourself. And people may think you're a little weird, but people mutter to themselves anyway. So at least we're muttering to ourselves, going over. The idea of meditating means like to chew on it so much to get out all the nutrients out of it. People always say, well, Pastor, how do you memorize scripture? This is what I did. Because I was old school. This was before all these, you know, cool uh, iPhone apps and stuff. I just took an index card and I wrote one scripture on one side. I put one scripture on the other side with the address. And I stuck them in my pocket. And when I'm just standing around, which you'd be surprised how often you actually just do that, you pull it out and read it. And you read it, you put it back in your pocket. And next time you find yourself standing around, you just reach in your pocket, you pull it out. And before you knew it, those two scriptures were memorized. And then I put two more. And then I started to realize, I'm wasting space. And I found that I could put, with my chicken scratch handwriting, about four scriptures on each side of my index card. And I would walk around with those things in my pocket until they I either forgot them and they got washed, or they just kind of shriveled up into nothing. I just wrote another one. And over time... 
all of a sudden you have all these scriptures that you know. Why? Because repetition is the great teacher. See, God blessed us, wants us to be fruitful, and it happens by us delighting in his word and meditating on it day and night. This reminds me of Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Wow. By meditating, delighting in the law of the Lord. Now notice what it says in verse three because we get a, a word picture here. He shall be like. That's a word picture. It's going it's to give us an example. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I like that. The man or the woman who delights and meditates and gets nourishment from God's word is like a tree whose spiritual root system is the word of God. Planted by a river, there's abundant water. And notice what it says. Brings forth fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither. And whatever he does will prosper. That's a beautiful picture. A healthy, a healthy tree. Fruitful. Notice the fruit comes when? In its season. I always say you can't make fruit be born before its season. Our job as followers of Jesus, people who are growing, our job is not to inspect our own fruit and be upset that it's not being born in the season we are. Our job is just to abide. We have to remember that. Fruit comes at the perfect time. At the perfect time. Our job is just to stay rooted in Jesus, abiding in him. But the man or the woman who delights and meditates, fruitfulness, prosperity, leaves that are green, that don't wither, all these things that we really want. Jeremiah says almost the same thing. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 10. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. I like this. You want to be fruitful? And we were created to be fruitful. God created humanity for blessing. It comes from delighting and meditating on God's law, on God's word. Read it in your own time. Come out to Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, all of our ministries. Read it to each other. Get a little daily devotion. There's some great ones. There's new ones coming out. I grabbed two new daily devotionals this year to start reading because I've read a lot of them. And my house, we love daily devos. They're fun. There's little one-page scriptures someone talks about. We love those things. So it's not hard. And it will make you fruitful, which is what you really want to be. But notice... The contrast couldn't be more stark. Look at verses 4 and 5. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, 
nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Brothers and sisters, we need to walk swiftly from a life of loss. Walk swiftly from a life of loss. We just saw this fruitful tree, right? Everything prospers and then you get, but the ungodly are not so. Instead of being a tree, they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Now, in a culture, an agrarian culture where they, where they grow grains, this means one thing. Now, I don't know about you. I've never grown wheat in my life. I've sure toasted a lot of wheat bread, though, over the years. And I expect to do more so in the future. But I never harvested wheat ever. But what they tell you if you harvest wheat is that when somebody harvests wheat, you take, when you harvest it, the, the fruit and its surrounding husk are together. And what they would do is they would have this thing called the threshing floor, which is oftentimes on a little bit of a mountaintop. And when it would win, they would take something called a winnowing fan. Now, I've never seen this done. I'm just going by what people said. They take a winnowing fan, they throw the, the wheat in the air. And what would happen is, is the, the fruit was heavy, hardy, and it would fall down. And the chaff, the outside, would just fly away. And the chaff was used for kindling. That's what it was used for. So when it says... The ungodly are like the chaff which the wind drives away. So in one side, the godly, the person who delights in the law, they're fruitful. Everything is green. There's no withering. On the other side, useless, separated, good for kindling. John the Baptist, speaking of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 to 12, uses the same picture. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees Coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance But he who is coming after me, speaking of Jesus, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now notice this. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. There's two options There is the way of blessedness, fruitfulness, by dwelling deep and ordering our lives based on God's holy word, or there's the way of ungodliness, which is like chaff, which the wind drives away. Fruitlessness, uselessness. Notice, therefore, verse 5, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That idea, he won't stand, doesn't mean that God will not judge them. It means that when God does judge, they will not withstand the judgment. They will fall in the judgment. We will fall in the judgment. Not only that, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, people struggle. People struggle with the doctrine of the judgment of God. They say, why would a loving God judge people? And the reason is, is because God is God. That is why. And God cannot be a loving God and withhold 
rightful judgment. Just the same way. You can never say that a judge who lets Charles Manson walk free is a loving judge. Is he loving humanity? No way. He hates humanity if he lets a a murderer go free, right? We lived right next to San Quentin, also in Marin County. Had they let Charles Manson out, there would have been a riot. See, a loving judge judges justly. And he can't be loving and not bring to judgment in a way that is right. In the same way, a loving judge, oh, let's let Osama bin Laden go. Let's give him a passport to America. No problem. Let's let him move to Portland. He'll like voodoo donuts, maybe. Would that be loving? No. Oh, you know, Hitler, just let him go. Just move him into Israel. No, no problem. Now, I'm using extreme cases. But in God's economy, the murderer and the impure of heart are both in need of salvation. Because God is perfect. And God does not hold us to a sliding scale. He holds us to this is what a righteous life is meant to look like. Why? Because God's standards are high because he's God. And we've talked about this a lot. So it says that the ungodly will not stand in the judgment. They, will, they have to be judged if God is going to be a loving God. A parent who allows their children to do whatever they want does not love their children. They don't. They hate their children to not want to show them the right way. We have myriads of it, but I realize people struggle with this. But notice in verse 6, and we'll close here. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So I called it walk this way. The idea of God knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We have to walk as one known. Walk as one known. That word know, it speaks of intimacy. It's used often in the Old Testament. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and they conceived and bore a child. So it speaks of the intimacy between a husband and a wife in marriage. The idea of being known speaks of God's covenant faithfulness. It speaks of God's covenant love. And we should walk as one who is part of the covenant community. But notice, the way of the ungodly shall perish. Do you notice this? This psalm begins with the word blessed, and it ends with the word perish. That's a sobering way to end. Proverbs 10.28 says it this way, The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. The expectation of the wicked will perish. So there's two ways to walk. There's the blessed way, or there's the way that leads to perishing. Because of these two options, because of these two options, this is why Jesus said, In John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. 
What's the most terrifying is that the choice is ours. It's one of those choices I wish God took off the table for us. Because the two options are so absolutely contrasting and different. For so many of you in here today, you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you are seeking to follow him every day. And my exhortation to you is delight and meditate in God's word. Don't neglect it. Don't think that one meal on a Sunday or even just two meals on a Sunday and a Wednesday is going to make you healthy. You got to eat every day. And what's really cool about God's word is you really can't get spiritually flabby on it either. You can glut yourself with it. It'll still be good for you. Kind of like that, those green foods, those rabbit foods. You can glut yourself on the word of God. It will only help. But for some of you in here today, you're hearing all this and you're like, yeah, according to what we just talked about, I'm in the ungodly camp. I'm on the path that leads to perishing. And if that's you and you're in here today, just bear with me for one second here. I want to encourage, exhort, challenge you to run from the path of destruction for your life and run into the arms of Jesus. He died on a cross for you and for me and for all who would believe He did that knowing it was the only way. He will not drag you to be fruitful. He simply beckons you to come. And just in a few seconds, I'm going to invite you to make that step, to take that step with him. And I really want to encourage you to take that step because the Bible teaches that now is the acceptable hour of salvation. You may not have a second chance to do this because we do not know what today holds. I'm not trying to scare you. But you know what? You should be scared. Destruction, perishing, all these things, these are not happy terms. I remember I was talking to my father one time. He said, Daniel, I just want to be where my friends are. I said, now, Dad, you raised me that if my friends jump off the Brooklyn Bridge, I shouldn't do that. Now you're telling me you just want to be where your friends are? And he looked at me. He's like, I forgot that I told you that. I'm like, well, it's good advice. And I'm here today giving you good advice because God loves you, and so do I. And there are people who invited you here who love you and care about you. And they don't want to see you end up at destruction because destruction is not pretty for anybody. So flee into the arms of Jesus. And I realize we don't even know what that means. But there'll be people around here who will tell you that if you take that step of faith, it'll be the best decision you ever make. It won't always be pretty, but God gets the job done. And that's really what you want, fruitfulness, right? Not destruction. Blessedness, not loss. Please make that decision today. Jesus is Now, here's Pastor Daniel with some important information about his book entitled, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. Thanks, Josh. 
Writing my second book honestly, getting real about Jesus in our messy lives was a huge milestone for me. It personally helped me to clarify some of the meaning behind the mess of this life. I talk about acknowledging the mess, finding resolution, pursuing God, and finally about the love that Jesus has for us. I'm so excited about this book and I want to make sure that every Jesus is Real radio listener has a copy. I'm going to pass things over to Josh. He's going to tell you how to get your very own copy of Honestly. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Honestly, getting real about Jesus and our messy lives is an insightful, simple-to-read book that helps make sense of the messiness we call life. We know Jesus never promised that our lives would be pain-free, but He did promise that He would always be there with us while in the midst of the mess. We want to make sure and get a copy of Honestly into your hands. Throughout the month of February, we are offering Daniel's book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, to anyone who supports Jesus is Real Radio with a gift of $20 or more. Your support helps us continue this important ministry and even expand. It's pretty simple. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the Partner option in the main menu. There you can give your gift of $20 or more. And again, we'll send you your very own copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives as a thank you for your support. Again, to partner with us, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to get your copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we want to thank you for joining us today and may God bless you. Where we need